it's I that's that's the feeling I have right now. Like <clears throat> I smoked a ton of weed yesterday and and I'm hungover. Interesting. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. Well, I'd like to thank you for finally uh, just, you know, addressing the elephant in the room. I remember thinking like two weeks ago, I was like, eventually, like, we got to play the, I call them the spins, but, you know, yeah. the spin doctors. <laughs> well, you are their number one fan. I'm sure you have a little pet name for them. <laughs> Dude, how great would it be to, like, go back through the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and replace, you know, just, <laughs> just make the whole soundtrack spin doctors? <laughs> I have been doing because I did this. I found it online somewhere, but it's it's they have been overdubbing the music and different movies with like you know fully incongruent soundtracks. You know, it's yeah, like, like Tom Cochran. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Life is a highway, where it started with, as people know, we we've done some deep dives on Tom Cochran and his um, authoritarian control of African shipping lanes, but it's not what we're doing here today. But monstrous human rights. <laughs> yes. But I thought, I was like, I was making a list of like, okay, what are some other ones? I was like, first thing, I was like, oh, spin doctors. I mean, I would have went with two princes, personally, but Loomis can't be wrong. There's time. Definitely, de yeah, definitely decent. Uh, I know from touring, and then you have like techs, or what people think of as roadies, but they actually be called techs. Yeah. And those people are just uh, like straight up working dudes. They work for like every band you know, under the sun. So I've met people that work for like, Cannibal Corpse, for yeah. example. And my bass tech from one of the bands uh, worked for the Spin Doctors, too. And I was like, man, you work for the Spin Doctors? I'm like, how was that? He's like, yeah, they're, they're nice guys. You know, they're still doing it and everything. I was like, awesome. Pretty cool. I'm going to give you some dirt. He's like, mm. you know, the singer is legally deaf, actually. And did you also know, you know, it was one of the original members of the Spin Doctors? Who? John Popper from Blues Traveler. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I did know that. Yeah. Um, the lead singer, what's his name? <laughs> Imagine like half the people listening to this, like, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in order for us to use their music, we have to do a documentary yes, and dive exactly. into it. So just if, if you want music, uh, that's what you have to suffer through. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, that guy lost his voice, actually. He can't sing anymore. Really? His vocal cords are paralyzed. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris yes. Chris Barron. Yes. Of course. 
<laughs> so I went to the East Bay yesterday uh-huh. and had to suffer through uh, just being away from my house. Uh huh. Not that I don't love scratching my itch already. I love Gertrude's family. Yeah. And I really do. Um, but driving in the pouring ass rain, yeah. hour and a half away, uh huh. Um, with family in tow. Yeah. Just white knuckling it kinda. And then being in an environment where, you know, the East Bay is a uh, pretty democratic uh, capital D. <laughs> That's putting putting it lightly. Yes, leftist, right? Kind of stronghold, I would yeah. say. So, so uh, what you're referring to is the East Bay, would be Oakland, Richmond, Berkeley area. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit of a bastion. We were for, in Hayward, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, the the mask game at this oh, birthday yeah, party dude. was at a birthday party. Yes, people wearing masks. <laughs> yes, in full effect. <laughs> And I was uh, I was kind of laughing about it with my my uh, well with with Gertrude's mom mm-hmm. this morning. We were looking back. So this is all family and friends, then. Yeah. Come okay. And one of the so they had a band there too. Really? Yes. That did uh, like salsa music, son music, some like like cha cha music. Yeah. Um, they were really good, actually. Yeah. Um, all female vocalists. And as they were setting up, which the DJ stopped playing at about 7.30, the band didn't start playing until 8.30. Wow. They spent that whole time setting up. So it was like legit. And sound checking. Yeah. Over legit and over and over. Yeah. It was like, I, it became entertaining. At some point, I started talking to Gertrude's uncles and stuff. I'm like, they're just fucking with us now, right? <laughs> like, they're just ready to go, and then they go and they do another sound check. And I swear to God... Two of the ladies had masks on right up until the point where the music started, oh and God. I was so bummed because I was I was getting ready to take photos to yeah. show you yeah, yeah. of them performing in the masks. You want you want it's almost like a weird reverse shaming. No, 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 no. You uh-uh. put that fucking mask back on. You yeah. wore this whole time. You're not. You're obviously sick and contagious, and that's why you're wearing it because you don't want to spread to us. Go. Did you just get better? No, you're still sick. Put that fucking mask back on. Back on. One of the ladies told uh, Gertrude's mom that um, because they felt both women that were wearing the masks, mm-hmm. speaking of reverse shaming, they felt compelled to tell my mother-in-law why they were wearing the masks. Okay. They're like, I, you know, I got to wear this because I work with children and, and I'm like. I, I have children. Uh, yeah. What, is, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Just, you know, I don't know. I know it's I, yep. it's it gets old talking about it, but it was just it doesn't. I was <laughs> it doesn't. I it was, doesn't because it's still happening. That's I, the thing. I just wish they had worn the masks during the performance. That would have just made my fucking yeah. Didn't happen. Kind of kind of disappointed to be honest. But uh, another reason for bringing up this uh, this trip is that I connected with Gertrude's cousin mm-hmm. Sergio. Who's uh, I turned on the podcast? Hopefully he's listening. Right? Nice. Did you meet him? Uh, that sounds familiar. I don't know. He's not the comedian, is he? No, that's her brother. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh, he has always been kind of the black sheep of the family. Uh huh. He, in fact, he's the first person who told me about flat Earth. Really? Yes. It, and it was the first time I'd ever heard it. <laughs> and it was. We were in the kitchen of uh, his sister's house. 
And was it his sister? We got to we got we got to get him on. I know. I like this guy already. I know, dude. If he didn't live so far away, I would he would have been on already. But uh, he was the black sheep of the family because um, he has been red pilled since he was like twenty years old. Uh huh. Into Bitcoin and um, the talk is always like, oh, he's just kind of a you know he's just marches to his own beat. He's a little bit weird. He's kind of mm-hmm. you know. And I remember when he was also. The first person in the family to say anything positive about Donald Trump, and it just blew everyone's minds. Right. They, they couldn't get it. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure he knows that, but that's you know I heard that he had said posted something positive on Facebook about Donald Trump, and the family <laughs> was just like, "Oh my God, like what's happening?" And you know, just losing it. Dude, we talked last night. It was just like like reunited. Soulmates. Nice. It was so nice just to, you know, just have someone there to talk to that was wired like we were. We were, right, we were right. talking about the SVB stuff uh, and Bitcoin dude, and gold. I, and I love this stuff so much, man. I love, like, when we had Ryan Houston on and we talked about how we all came to the same conclusion during the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Like, you were somewhere else in the world and you were thinking the exact same things. Like, none of us, we weren't getting information for anything, but just intuitively... We would take in information and, you know, walk around out in the world and go, like, here's kind of where I'm at with this. And you meet someone who had the, the exact same outcome mentally that you had. You know, you can talk about it two, three years later. That is fascinating to me. Like, the psychological component to all these things is so interesting to me. Yeah. And I love talking to people about it. I was talking to somebody at our gym um, who is uh, – I don't want to name names, but mm-hmm. somebody in the management, uh, let's say, of the gym <laughs> – and uh, they, we were both kind of agreeing that, wow, like COVID really let you know who your friends were. Yeah, for sure. It made you realize that all the people that were willing to come in the, through the back door yeah. of the gym to be able to train yeah. were wired the same way that you were. And it, right. it kind of, not only did it separate the wheat from the shaft, it made you re- like bond with the people that right. you really were yeah. like-minded with. Yeah, know? for sure. And in that sense, it was it was kind of cool. Nice. I don't think creating separations with the other people is necessarily cool because you got to be able to have friends that don't think like you. Um, One would not think necessarily that would be so like difficult, friends, but... but you 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 have to be able to interact, yeah. and be civil and not have to separate yourself from people just because they don't think exactly like you. Right? Yeah, that was a big surprise to me. Actually, you know, it was a big delineator. I mean, for sure, it was definitely the COVID pandemic. But I remember when, oddly enough. Like January sixth went down, mm-hmm. and I from like multiple friends was was getting like texts about it. I was like, "What you know?" Basically, coming at me like, "What are your people doing?" I'm like, "What, what are you talking about?" Like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't even know what was going on. Uh-huh. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, "Oh, there's people like walking around the Capitol." Huh. Interesting. I had like no thoughts about it. Yeah. I wasn't pro. I wasn't con. I didn't really. I I, I actually. Honestly, didn't understand what the big deal was. I was like, uh, like, so what? Like, it's isn't that a government building? I mean, people's te- house. Technically, they paid for it, right? Yeah. But um, it was surprising me to learn because I have friends that are like Bernie guys. I have friends that are flat earthers. You know what I mean? I love having, I love the discussions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love having like a variety of opinions. I think it's important. I think it's useful. And totally. I think and people that can play along with that game are so fun to. To, to talk to. Yeah. Like, like I, Mike, for example. Mikey. I had someone that I used to work with, actually, who, who was hitting me up about January 6th. He actually was my old boss. 
He's like, what are these, what are these people doing? I was like, I, I don't know. I'm not there. Like, I, why, are you, I'm all, why are you texting me about this? Like, I don't, I don't understand, like, why am I the go-to for information? Well, you're the only white supremacist I know, so <laughs> could you please help me figure out what's going on here? <laughs> and he said, he's like, well, I don't know any Trump supporters. Like, so, you know, what are they thinking? I was like, I texted back, I'm all, you don't know any Trump supporters? I'm all, that? is way more interesting to me than the people walking around the Capitol. Because I know Trump supporters, I know Bernie guys, I know people who voted for Hillary, I know anarchists, you know, I know straight up communists, and I love them all. Like, you don't know any, I'm a, that's, you need to take stock of your social circle and maybe like vary it up a little bit. Yeah. It was a total, you got an interesting like learning moment for me. Your social circle is a monocrop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're the uh, big, you have the big agriculture of friends. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a um, <clears throat> we had a kid's birthday party here yesterday for my son, uh, who turned 10. And I had, like, preemptive anxiety almost all day about it because I'm going to be I, – I run a very tight social circle. You know, I, I only have, like – this contradicts what I was just talking about, but only, like – Five six people that I hang out with on a regular basis. It's not a contradiction. It's you have a uh, backyard garden. Yes, you only have so many yes, thank you. garden beds. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I'm always telling my wife like I just don't want to get like because the things that me and my friends talk about are very unpopular, giving our area, you know, regional area here that we live, and it's. I also like have a fairly low tolerance for the chit chat. You know what I mean? Of you know, uh, we're getting some rain. Looks like we could use it. Conversation as we're always like joking about, which I did have that conversation yesterday. And uh, I sometimes I think that my only I guess like social outlet, like as far as like a lot of people, is this podcast, and we talk about a lot of things that are. You know, it gets a little bizarre sometimes, but I love the conversation. I think it's interesting. Every once in a while, I will kind of revert to podcast mode because I'm not used mm -hmm. to, like, hanging out with, like, tons of different people. And I met a guy who turned out to be wildly fascinating, like an interesting guy. He lives mm -hmm. right down the street, and his son and my son play together. And, like, now I'm, like, really loving this dude. Have I met him before? I don't think you have. Okay. Yeah, really interesting guy. But he was talking. He was a, a real estate guy, and then um, lost, kind of lost his ass during the two thousand eight crash. And he was talking about it. And I went right into what we did. I don't know what two, three podcasts ago. It was like, you know, what's interesting is that Deagle. what's that Deagle? No, I didn't. I didn't get there yet. <laughs> <laughs> is um, I was like, you've heard Tom Cochran, right? Okay, so just <laughs> bear with me here for a sec. This is gonna take a while. No, I was like telling this guy, I was like, you know what's interesting is uh, do you follow the World Bank and the IMF at all and like how they structure uh, foreign loans, particularly in developing countries? He's like, no. Well, it's the exact same model as the MBS market that crashed the economy in 2008. And I went through my kind of pitch with this guy, and he's just looking at me. He's like, that is really interesting. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because I caught myself in the middle. I was just like, yeah. uh, dude, did I just do, you know, am I going to look over my wife's looking at me going like, yeah, not on the podcast. Right. Yeah, it ended up being a super interesting uh, conversation because he was so cute. He knew ten times more than I did about 
the, the real estate crash and everything. Yeah. He's intimately. He's connected to it. He lost a fortune. And you just connected the dots for him with the IMF. Right. And I was talking about, all, you know, that same thing. You know, he's, you know, obviously, like, has an emotionally attached to that 2008 crash. And we got to into talking about, you know, the World Bank and the IMF and the loan, the, you know, how they do their loans across the world. It was, it was, it ended up being, like, super awesome. But I caught myself in the middle. I was like, oh, dude, am I, like, throwing too many cards on the table here? Because we're supposed to be you know, kind of neighbors kind of thing. You know, you don't want to let everyone know that you're fucking crazy. Nah, I just get out of the way, dude. Rip the bandaid off. Yeah, yeah. You gotta let them know. I'm finding that. You know what? The other thing, too, though, honestly, like, it's it's kind of up to us. And maybe uh, this, this maybe this is good advice, actually. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say it out loud, then you, you be the judge. Okay. <laughs> it's up to us to be who we are. Yeah. Be the wingnuts that we are and make people like us despite that fact. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you want people to say about you, yeah, that guy, he definitely thinks about things differently than I do. I don't agree yeah. with him, but he's, I like the guy. Yeah. You know? So that you're not just like the un- insufferable, like, think about the opposite end of the spectrum, the insufferable vegan. In your face about meat is murder, you know, leftist, right, blue haired, just person that no one wants to hang out with. Yeah, you can still have those same opinions and be likable. So, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always think about because us starting this, you know, podcast and just you know, we had no real plan. We're like, let's just start like riffing on shit that we think about that we talk about meat for a beer anyway. Like, right, let's just have her, you know. Let's start recording it and putting it on the internet for some <laughs> fucking terrible reason. Is the I always think about that, um, you know, we got we galvanized a lot of like relationships, met all these new people, even though they're like, you know, the amount of time someone's like, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of what you guys say, but it's it's cool to hear like a different perspective, yeah. which is that's my favorite thing. We hear that a lot too. Yes, yes, which I that, that's like. It's a mature listener too that can for sure can hear that and say that out you know repeat that that I don't necessarily agree with everything but I'm glad you're saying it yeah and it's uh, but then you know you hear about you get like a lot of hate too where I've heard you know of course it's always like second third hand like yeah so and so was like really upset that you guys talked about this and talked about that and you just go like this seems to happen on a fairly like regular basis at this point and you realize like I don't they're not upset about an episode. You know, or one thing that we said. I think they're just generally upset by our presence and us speaking our opinions. And once you realize that, you just go like, if they just, if, if your starting point is, I fucking I hate these guys. It's like it's almost like liberating. Like, well, fuck it. Like, might as well just say whatever we want. We'll totally. get into the decal st- statistics at that point. Totally. Like, yeah. Who cares then? Yeah. It's like, I'm never gonna win you over. I don't want to win you over. I don't want to win anyone over. I'm just want to like provide like different perspectives on issues that's it you don't have to agree with it you don't have to disagree with it whatever however you want to approach it but once you realize you know that there's going to be a certain amount of people that they're going to hate you no matter what you say you're like "Eh, well fuck it it's like being in a band it's like right yeah gilman's never going to let us play there all right cool (laughs) like our lyrics are not pc all right we don't have to worry about that anymore let's do something else totally yeah that is a liberating kind of yeah for for sure um I wanted to. Well, you had some stuff to talk about. Do you want to? Yeah, I found I found a, an article that was pretty interesting. And what I want to do is I um, highlight some kind of excerpts from it. And um, hold on, before we start, yes. Uh, 
we haven't said this in a while. Yes. If you like the show, <laughs> please leave us a review and uh, five stars, preferably. If you want to leave us three stars, reconsider. I love the. Have you noticed any? Because uh, we most of our reviews are five star, right? But we get the occasional three star review that's like actually like a positive review, right? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah, it's pretty good. I like these guys. There's three stars. Like, what? It's not the perfect podcast. It's not the greatest podcast you've ever heard in your life. That's the only thing you reserve five stars for. It really does help us to have uh, have the the positive reviews, um, preferably a written review, and. Like we've always said, if you leave us a five star review, we will read it um, on the air, no matter how bad it is. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I've always felt that you know when we talk about starting the podcast, I, you know, I always thought that you know I was like, dude, me and that dude can riff for four straight days and not run out of stuff to talk about. I was like, but we're tragically terrible business people. Yes, <laughs> as far as like treating this like a business model. This is true. So I'm glad you you're better at it than I am. So. And uh, also, if you want to support the show, go to Patreon, and I think for as little as two dollars a month, you can help us out. Get on a government watch list. <laughs> Join us exactly, <laughs> and the FBI will come to your house too. <laughs> All right. So I found this article in. Hold the- on. Good morning. Gotta play the music. It's gonna be followed by some reggae. (laughs) I'd be disappointed if it didn't. Hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me um, a beer. So I found this article uh, in the Atlantic of all places, which seems to be a great resource for. understanding what non-like-minded people think like and, mm. and write about. It's important. Um, you also remember that we did, I think, one or two episodes about um, the, the article by Emily Oster, mm-hmm. Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Mm-hmm. And I thought these two articles were kindred spirits, and so I thought I'd hit this up. So I want to go through some of the experts on this, on this, um, excerpts on this article, bounce them off you, get your thoughts on right. there. So I kind of highlighted a couple things because – Several things, because it's easy to go into a place like, well, as a, uh, the Atlantic or, or like something even more, I don't know, lineal as far as like ideology um, or like uh, something like Huffington Post or something like that. It's easy to go in there and, and pick out like op-eds from the Huffington Post and make fun of it. <clears throat> but I think these are kind of useful to go through because it's just, it provides like the insight of like how and why these people think like what they think. And for the same reason that I listen to NPR in the mornings, I also go into the Atlantic and check some of the stuff out. But this time I had to pay fucking $80 to read this article. Seriously? Yes. $80? $80. Why? Uh, long story. You literally paid $80? Well, I'm going to finagle my way out of it, but yes, I did okay. pop down 80 bucks on it. So if you haven't gone to Patreon yet, please... <laughs> Support the show. Okay, this is an article. Uh, it's called Following Your Gut Isn't the Right Way to Go. That's by a guy named Tom Nichols. <clears throat> so here's how he kicks it off. I've spent years telling people, usually with usually with exasperation and a certain amount of petulance, to trust es- e- experts and to stop obsessing. Are you having a stroke? No. Okay. <laughs> Not vaxxed. <laughs> and to stop obsessing about the rarity of their failure. 
But that was before a crisis in which millions of lives were dependent on a working relationship between science and government. Now that I must take my own advice, I feel the same anxiety I've so often dismissed in others. We, and I'm including myself here, need to come back to our senses about expertise. Okay, so what he's trying to do, he goes on to tell the story about him and his wife scrambling to get the vaccine. And what, I'm not going to read all this stuff, but he, this was like card number one that got laid on the table, right? He's trying to present himself as some kind of like, uh, he's, he's affording himself credibility for being like a pseudo skeptic. He's not, he's, he's trying to make a portrait of himself where he's like, I'm not this guy that just does, you know, watches the news and the politicians and mm-hmm. just, I'm an empty, you know, I'm critically thinking about this stuff. Yeah, I have the ability to think for myself. Right, and the way that he frames this, he's like, for example, my wife and I, like... Hold on a second. What's his name? Tom Nichols. I am going to see if he has a Ukraine flag in his fucking bio <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into that, actually, which is kind of funny. Do you but, know this already? No, I don't. Tom Nichols? Uh, Tom Nichols. There's going to be a million guys named Tom Nichols. Yes is he immediately attempts to frame himself with the context of like, you know, I'm, you know, basically I'm hip. You know what I mean? Like he's the adult walking to the party, like, you know, talking about Tony Hawk in 2008 or something like that. No, no Ukraine flag in the bio. Ah, that's, that's disappointing. Tom, get on board, but seriously, get on board. What you you love Putin? But the way that he tries to frame himself within like, you know, I, I'm a critical thinker. I'm still skeptical of this is like, he frames it within the context of him and his wife debating over which vaccine to take. He's like, yeah, and we spent a lot of time. Like, we're a little skeptical. Should we take the J&J or the AstraZeneca or the yeah. Moderna or the Pfizer? Like, I'm hip. <laughs> I mean, should we have our kids be in the trial for uh, Johnson & Johnson right. or right. AstraZeneca? Like, yeah, dude, exactly. So back to the article. So perhaps the most important, do I have any idea what I'm talking about? The answer is no. I do not have any idea what I'm talking about when it comes to vaccines. I am a political scientist, which is to say that I am not a scientist at all. I have no special training in medical issues. Until the pandemic, I'd never given given a choice about vaccines. So I dutifully got my flu, polio, smallpox, tetanus, and other vaccines without any other questions. Okay, here's... Second card laid on the table. We're off to a great start because he's immediately creating the ideological binary between people that get the vaccines and you're an anti-vaxxer. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's where the line is. Yep. Okay, not to mention he talks about the flu vaccine. There is no flu vaccine, which is ironic because there's no COVID vaccine either, at least until the uh, CDC changed the definitions in what, 2020. <laughs> so he immediately it's it's the classic he's already framing this within the classic like us versus them narrative he's painting the picture of like you know there's there's so much real like ideological real estate between those two positions like wouldn't you say it's not like you either are an anti-vaxxer or you are getting all your boosters which is the stupidest thing i've ever fucking heard right right yeah as if that's those are the only two options yeah like we get called anti-vaxxers all the time i'm like interesting I've had my vaccinations. My son has had his vaccinations. And my dog has had his vaccinations. <laughs> Back to the article. So over the summer, hundreds, and I'm surprised that he brings this up because this was heavily considered like verboten by the, I don't know, whatever, the vaccine sycophants, you know, the, 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 the COVID enthusiasts, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. The thought police. The thought police. 
Over the summer, hundreds of the same experts who told us not to gather, even in small groups, for instance, to sing in a church choir, or more personally, have a small funeral for my brother. So this guy didn't have a funeral for his fucking brother and is still fucking not bothered by this. Like, I would be fucking enraged. Well, what is he about to say? He made a political exception for gigantic street protests where people held hands and shouted and chanted together. He's talking about the BLM, right? Right, that's that's the uh, hypocrisy there. So he's not, he's calling that out. Right. I'll give him that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, yeah, usually you guys kind of sweep that one on the rug. And I thought this is interesting that he brought this up because we always call it the walk out the front door test. And, I mean, we were well calling bullshit on this like, months before this. But that was such a glaring, like, illustration of, like, this is bullshit, right? This this social distancing and lockdowns, this is bullshit. Because you had politicians coming out saying, like, no, some things are just more important than a pandemic. You had people actually saying that on your beloved mainstream media. That's where, like, okay, can you guys, can we admit this is fucking nonsense at this point? Like, that was, like, you know, we've been saying this for, you know, almost a year at this point. But, can like, are you guys seeing this is kind of incongruent? You know, this is yeah. things, the math is not adding up. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, some things are more important than a pandemic. Thank you for admitting that. <laughs> like me having a fucking job. <laughs> yes. So I made I make a bet with myself when I read some of these articles. And I'll see if maybe maybe you're on a hot streak and you can guess what the bet is. But as I'm reading this article, I make a bet with myself like how long until it's because of this? Like how long until like he gets into this particular subject. Do, it, could it possibly be Trump? <laughs> it's either Trump or climate change. <laughs> My man, you got it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I can already tell by the tone of this article, like we're going to get down to it. And like, at what point is something Trump's fault? Mm-hmm. It's going to be Trump thing. And I know like, this is where I'm supposed to go, you know, I'm not a fucking Trump guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I didn't vote for Trump, whatever. But it's just, it's interesting to me because we talked about, this so much is that so much of this stuff has to do like COVID, Ukraine, everything like it's where you where you stand for the, the economy or the border and everything like it's just these people are so fucking predictable like just so much of it comes back to you like Trump broke your brain he's not even president anymore and everything that you're doing your fucking mask you know you're still wearing like this has to do with Trump like yeah, do you remember just, when just we were it. we were talking about God I don't even care if Biden does get elected, at least it'll shut everybody up about I do about exactly Donald Trump all the time. Yeah, I remember saying that nope. when, when Biden got elected. I'm like, well, at least we can stop talking about Trump. And like, I don't know, I'm almost like on board with that. It's yeah. like, no, uh-uh. no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna double down. And it's, so, if you don't believe me, right? If you don't think this stuff has to do with Trump, why is everything so easily predictable? Why can I assess like? with almost 100% accuracy, look at someone and accurately predict where they are on, like, every issue, and which all comes back to Trump. If you don't believe me, do this. Walk down to your corner store, approach one of those lower status, like, superstitious primates you see. They're still wearing a fucking mask outside. That's how you can identify them. <laughs> right, and just go, like... You can identify them by their superstitious tribal face covering. <laughs> Dude, exactly, and just go... Hey, uh, apropos of nothing, um, what do you think about Trump? You know what the answer is going to be. And then for fun, go like, what about Ukraine? Mm-hmm. What about January 6th? What about climate change? 
How is it that I can look at someone and see them with a mask? Like I can accurately predict every single one of their opinions. Mm-hmm. If that is not the fucking definition of an NPC, of someone who has chosen to outsource their critical thinking completely, like I don't know what is. Well, I I personally like the explanation that was given um, recently that I heard that uh, it's it's all based on hierarchy. People in masks cannot be trusted. Exactly. <laughs> that it's all based on um, on social hierarchy, and that you you just want to belong to right your tribe. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. I think it's a... Fit in. It's, and the more you fit in, the less likely you are to be banished to the go live with the Neanderthals. I think there is a lot to that, which is a great book on that. It's Sebastian Younger's um, Tribe, which explains basically the psychology slash like anthropological perspective yep. of like why people have this innate need to just belong, to go with the flow, to, you know, just like the way they herd a sheep run around together. I think it's a combination of that, and I think it's also what Matthias Desmet wrote about with the free-floating anxiety of people just, they, you have this anxiety, they just don't have a locus of control in their lives, and it's like, well, here's something I do have control over, is a mask, and I can look over to the other guy with a mask, we can kind of like give each other the nod, you know what I mean? So, uh, If you want to l- learn more about what I was just saying, uh, the Tom Woods Show, twenty-two episode 2281 with Jeff Lescovar, um, talks about uh, why so many people adopt the whole program of the elites, even though there's no particular reason that someone who favors arming Ukraine should also favor, say, higher minimum wage. All these positions are nevertheless held as a bundle. Those holding them tend not to want to debate and seem relatively untroubled by the suppression of their opponents' voices. Jeff thinks he's discovered the reason behind all this, and he shares it with us today. Check that out. Very nice. So, back to the article. At the top levels of leadership, I figure since Tom Woods is always, you know, promoting our podcast, it's, give him a little, yeah, it's a only shout fair. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Give him a little bump. Give yeah, him, give him the Liberty Tree bump. <laughs> <laughs> At the top levels of leadership, many of Americans, uh, America's politicians, simply panic um, or punted. Former President Donald Trump. Here we go again who more than anyone bears responsibility for the public's hostility to basic life-saving measures, including masking, hit the fact that he was apparently in dire condition after falling sick with COVID-19. Huh? Yeah. Based on what evidence? Oh, it gets better. Facts for that? Other irresponsible leaders, including South Dakota Governor Chris I hate always being put in this position of having to defend (laughs) Donald Trump. You should have been at the birthday party yesterday with me. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times I say, like, look, not a fan. However, <laughs> other irresponsible leaders, including South Dakota Governor Christy Noem, basically told people to do whatever they wanted, a YOLO approach to governance that predictably resulted in death. There's absolutely no fucking data that backs up what this guy just said. And this drives me insane. There is no data that suggests that states that opened up before other states had a higher mortality rate. Mortality rate. In fact, there's way more data that says the, the opposite. opposite is true. Especially if you and live in a fucking state where your ass grabbing governor stuffed all the sick people into a nursing home where they fucking all died, and then he writes a book about how to handle a pandemic. That's where most of the people fucking died. Not in places like North Dakota where they opened up the state. Not in places like Florida. 
Yeah. That's no, the, the, the opposite is true. It goes for countries too. You look at Sweden, you know, Sweden actually ended up having, um, now less, uh, excess mortalities than yeah. almost any other country. Yeah. That's With like not locking down. Nope. No yeah. Closures, not locking down everything. And if, and for, for those of you people who, for whatever odd reason are still listening to this and, <laughs> and, and going, yeah, but Trump, this like Trump, came up with Operation Warp Speed, was pro-lockdown, was pro-vaccine, and demonized Sweden for not locking down. Demonized Georgia for opening up too early. Right. So, fuck off. All right? Namaste. Okay. Back to the article. We should focus on useful inquiries. And since this guy has has no problem with um, basically compartmentalizing, distilling everything into a political binary with two sides, there's the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers, and I'm apparently on the other side, which I'm fine, whatever you say. He poses some questions, so I don't know. I'll answer them for him. We should focus on useful inquiries that, that are guides to action. Do these vaccines have side effects? Yes, they do. If you need <laughs> two shots, how long can I wait between getting them? Depends on how much you value living. How long will <laughs> immunity last? Well, exactly zero days since it's not a vaccine. It's experimental vaccine. It's experimental gene therapy. Uh, I appreciate you being a volunteer lab rat. Thank you for your service. <laughs> and what can I do after I'm vaccinated? I don't know. Off the top of my head, maybe make an appointment with your fucking cardiologist because you're going to fucking die. <laughs> maybe update the will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he gets into <laughs> the psychology of like, is this like an individual, you know, these people like individualistic wingnuts or like are they just uh, anti-authoritarian, you know, knee-jerk anti-authoritarianism, to answer your question. We are both, but we must also ask whether we distrust particular individuals or whether our beef is with the entire system. A certain amount of skepticism towards elected officials who have a vested interest in being re-elected is normal. But in our polarized time, this this distrust has become extreme. Okay, this part is my favorite part of the article. Yeah. When President Joe Biden said that he thought the 4th of July was a good target date for the return of small gatherings, many of his critics went ballistic. Who is Joe Biden to tell me what to do? Okay. The reason that this <laughs> wow. to me is like when you read something like this, it stands out to you. And this is the problem I have with your typical like NPR, the Atlantic, the Huffington Post, you know, your Reddit crowd is you realize by the, the, the language that they use and the, and the way that they contextualize things when they r- write these articles or even have like, conversations out in the wild is you very, very quickly realize that they live in a complete ideological bubble. This goes back to what we were saying before when people start texting you on January 6th. Like, I don't know, I don't know any Trump supporters. Like, I know that you do. Like, what are they thinking? You're like, you don't know. Like, how like, shielded is your life? You don't know a single, you know what I mean? You don't know anyone who voted for Trump. Right, this is fucking bizarre. So when he says stuff like this, like critics went ballistic. Who's Joe Biden to tell me what to do? Is that he the way that he is framing, and I would say like as a pejorative, like demonizing people, right? Because he's just like I don't. It's just like this mysterious like group of people. Like here's what they were thinking. Like who's Joe Biden to tell me what to do? Right? He's talking about us. He's talking about myself, you, mm-hmm. our, our social circle, who just kind of. Very, uh, just you know, we had no strong thoughts on the vaccine. I was like, eh, I think I'm good, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and it's like it becomes this political statement like, you're this and there's this. And it's like, well, now I gotta like dig my heels in the sand because you guys are 
coming at me fucking sideways and, you know, trying to get me to not be able to go to work and not my, not have my kid in school. And, you know what I mean, you don't want me in your house anymore. It's like, now I have to have a strong stance on it, which I didn't before. I was never demonizing someone for getting vaccinated, right? It's just, yeah, do whatever you think you're going to do. And I was hoping you could afford me the same luxury, but apparently, like, that's not a thing. And when this guy, like, frames us like this of, like, yeah, his critics went ballistic. Who's Joe Biden to tell him what to do? Do you know anyone who fucking said that? Anyone who had that reaction? Do you even know anyone that even knew that Joe Biden said that? I read this. I'm like, I don't, I don't listen to Joe Biden. Like, I don't, I went ballistic? No, I don't give a shit. I don't know what Joe Biden said. I don't know what Trump said. I don't know what George Bush said or Obama. Like, I don't pay attention to this shit. I walk up my front door and make a decision for myself, and that's kind of where it ends. Mm -hmm. It's the, So that was such a tell for him to write this because he's relying yeah, – well, he, he's he, fabricating a, a, like a stereotype of, like, exactly. here's what these people think and here's what they say, and I'm going to write an article around it. Right. And they're going ballistic, meaning like he, there may have been some talk show host that that did go ballistic, yeah, because he needed something to go ballistic on, right, that day, <laughs> yeah. But it's not like you know we're going around going, I can't believe Joe, as if we were waiting. We woke up that morning wondering what's Joe Biden going to tell me to do today, right? You know, I'm going to go look in the newspaper and see what I'm supposed to do today. I do remember seeing like someone sent a clip. He goes, the good news is it's 4th of July. Like, um, we're going to let you have it. It like, was more a, laughable. Like, I get, yeah, I'm just like, I was that, like okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, who is this for? Like, who's right? Who's watching this going like, ah, that's good news. I want to say that same 4th of July, our uh, idiot governor banned fireworks. <laughs> and and we had we went out into the street and lit off a bunch of fucking fireworks yeah. and just had a good old time. You watched the footage. I he, did get in a fight with one of my neighbors who was trying to tell us not to light off fireworks, but that was kind of part of the fun, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> As we talked about before, this next Fourth of July, when we just release a bunch of balloons in the sky, yes, it's be fucking <laughs> epic. <laughs> and we're only gonna spend like twenty eight bucks. <laughs> Best fireworks at the hobby shop. <laughs> yeah, thank you, military industrial complex. <laughs> so, to wrap this up, so it says, this is how this guy ends this. It goes, people who believe that medical schools, research institutions, peer review, and lab trials, in other words, the entire structure of modern science, have all failed or become corrupted, are beyond the reach of reason, and no expert advice will sway them. That's us, and you're right. No, you won't sway us. You can fuck off. We're not listening to you, and I never have, and I never will. The rest of us, however, can do better. So let's recap here. Let's just look at this like in the bigger picture and then also think of the article with Emily Oster. The, mm -hmm. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. I had a tricky situation with a family member. There was a lot of kind of uh, emotions involved, mm -hmm. I guess you would say. And I felt that the best approach, you know, I, I don't know if, if you want to conflate emotions in like gray areas. It was like, well, uh, I'm like, let's just stick to some of the facts. It was like what I was viewing as like, there's some very, very like fundamentally wrong things happening in this situation. So let's just, here's what we know to be as a fact. So as this article, you know, is relying on emotional platitudes and stereotypes, it's like, okay, well, let's just look at some facts because you are the one proposing that, um, you, basically the point of the article is, Stop, you know, going with your gut. I mean, that's the title of the article, and we need to listen to the experts. So, 
if this guy is reframing or framing this situation with like people that listen to science versus mega Republican, like anti-vaxxer, um, domestic extremist or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that he talks about people, you know, that didn't trust the experts, which is fucking laughable at this point. It's like, so I'm going to reframe it for him because I'm like, dude, you want to play dirty pool? I can play dirty pool. It's like the way I see it is like people that have the ability to perceive simple pattern recognition versus people that have chosen to outsource their critical thinking to experts that have been fucking wrong over and over and over and over. And we can go down this, you know what I mean? So I'm talking about, you know, we talked about the experts. He's talking about like Anthony Fauci, the CDC, Rochelle Wilinski, you know, Le Leanna Wynn, Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, you know, all the corporate mate, because they all had the same narrative, right? There was no variation on, yeah. the, on the narrative. It was, um, and so what, let's, let's go through everything categorically. Masks did nothing, right? We have the data on that. They didn't do anything. Lockdowns did nothing. This is in your beloved New York Times. And so when people come out and go like, you guys talk about like how garbage mainstream media is, because it is fucking garbage. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but then like once it supports what you're saying, like all of a sudden you want to bring up that article. I'm like, well, the point of that is I'm not the one that was sending New York Times articles, New York Times articles for the last three years. You were sending them to me about how masks work and lockdowns work and the vaccine was fucking safe and kids should be out of school. I wasn't sending those articles. You guys were sending those to me. Now, here's your same source. These are your people. This is your trusted source is saying masks didn't work. Lockdowns didn't work. Kids should have been in school. Vaccine's probably not safe. And all of a sudden, like, you know, it looks like that virus came out of a lab. Like, man, who would have thought? Us would have thought that fucking three years ago. <laughs> the same way that we said that masks didn't work and the vaccine wasn't safe and the kids should be in school. Like, when, so you're saying we put all this stuff together. Listen to the experts. You guys were fucking categorically wrong 100% of the time. And you're still saying, like, okay, maybe you guys got lucky. I don't know what it is. You know, what fucking Ouija board that you're using or whatever. But listen. You're still a bunch of ignorant rubes, rednecks, and anti-vaxxers, and domestic extremists, and we need to start listening to these people that got nothing right again. Right? Well, it's like when Sam Harris said that right. Brett Weinstein, it didn't matter that he was right in hindsight. He had no possible way of knowing that he was right in the beginning, and so he should have been towing the same line as all of the quote-unquote experts. Right. But you notice that all of their experts are the ones that are saying the exact same right. thing, yeah. right? We're not allowed to listen to experts who aren't saying that. Everyone right. that signed the Barrington Declaration yeah, yeah. at they the were, beginning of they COVID. They were deplatformed. The, the head of the CDC at the time was like, uh, this definitely came from a lab. And they're like, guess yeah. what? You're not the head of the CDC anymore. <laughs> like, we're going to get rid of you. So you're saying, like, all the scientists are saying the same thing. It's like, because they fucking got rid of everyone that wasn't going with the narrative. Now we have the fucking Fauci emails saying, like, hey, like, here's how we're going to spin this. It's like, I don't know how far down the road you want to go. But it's just... If, when you put all this stuff together and you, you, you couple this with the article from The Atlantic, Emily Oster, saying, let's declare a pandemic am amnesty, and you, Tom Nichols, writing this article, it's time to listen to the, the, you know, listen to the experts again and stop going off your gut, which was right the entire time, if you aren't on our end of things, is my answer is still the same. Fuck you, no. Eat shit, fucking say it walking. We're not listening. To, we didn't listen to you guys before. We're not listening now, or we're not listening to you guys down the road. Fuck off. And just so it doesn't seem like you're, what you're saying is that ex, there's no reason to listen to experts. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah. Right? Experts are, are needed. 
right. in every Absolutely. walk of life. I mean, yep. you and I are experts on some things when it comes to the you know to building. Nineties death metal. Uh, you know, line dancing, for example. Um, the spins, spin doctors. Well, yeah, for them, the, yeah, yeah, for the lay person. Um, and uh, we happen to be experts in bullshit. And guess what? So are you, listener, dear listener. Right. Human beings are human bullshit detectors. And if something doesn't pass a logical test, it raises a red flag for you. Yeah. And then you look at it kind of sideways and you, you know, if you're, a, if you're an honest person, you try to figure it out. And just some expert telling you, no, 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 don't worry about it. Just trust me. I'm right here. You know, that's, that's where probably we differ from the pack. Yeah, in most things, like no, I need to see some proof that this is actually right. working. And here's somebody else who seems to have the same credentials that you do, saying what makes actual logical sense to me. Right. I want to hear this guy talk. Yeah. No, no, you can't listen to that guy. He's lying to you. We're gonna deplatform him. We're gonna shadow ban him. Yeah, and that's something that we always say is like no, at no point in history has someone been on the right side of history by censoring. Someone. So I think this might be a good uh, transition point to talk about the Twitter hearing, Twitter file hearings that are happening right now. Okay. You, you're you aware of this is I, going on? Okay, so this will be interesting because I'm fairly ignorant to what's going on now because okay. I was deep into it uh, in the very beginning. So now that the Republicans have the House, right. they've called this uh, hearing, they're calling it the uh, weaponization of government um, hearings or something. Yeah. And so Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi were brought up uh, at the same time. And it's just, it's so clear when you watch these hearings that what's actually happening is we're living in a post-truth era right now. Where truth does not matter anymore and there isn't even the slightest concern about lying to the American People, they will piss on your head and tell you it's raining and not even care. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the same the same shit that's happening with uh, Tucker Carlson releasing all of the footage from January sixth. Yeah, the mainstream media and the Democrats to- and the Republicans actually, Mitch McConnell, all yeah. of the the uh, uh, political elites yeah. are losing their goddamn minds. Yeah. over this. And this, this is the, 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 the J6 stuff going on with Tucker Carlson releasing the footage, which was legally obtained by the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, by the way. And people saying, like, it's just complete lies. Like, he's airing fucking security camera footage that was yeah. given him legally by the Speaker of the House. Well, he is making commentary on it, right? It's yeah. not like you're watching C-SPAN. You're well, not watching 44,000 hours of just straight right. Streaming but, video. But the irony to have, you know, anyone from fucking Don Lemon and CNN and Rachel Maddow all the way down to the cackling fucking Yentas from The View to attack Tucker Carlson to say um, he's selectively editing footage. I'm like, <laughs> I, have you watched CNN over the last couple of years? Like the way that you guys covered this January 6th trial? It's yeah. it, like that, that fucking, it's the exact same people who will tell you. That, uh, what's that cop's name? Resnick? Sicknick. Sicknick. Yeah, Brian Sicknick. That Brian Sicknick was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Right. And that five cops were killed. There's still people that believe On that. January 6th. They're still saying it. They're still they saying it. They just that. said it on The View. Yeah. Those same yeah. cackling hens. We need to come up with another adjective, by the way. We're, <laughs> we're kind of wearing those two out. Um, those 
women are going to tell you that five cops were killed on January 6th and in the same breath tell you not to watch Tucker Carlson because he's lying to the people. He's recruiting domestic terrorists, which, by the way, has a very significant uh, value. Right. That those words mean something very significant. Your ass ends up in Guantanamo. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And so um, they. It just means that to me, we're living in a in a world now where I saw truth that doesn't fo- matter. I saw that footage of the view, and in that same sentence, they all emphatically agreed with your. It's like just. I mean, granted, you know, we're not using, <laughs> you know. The uh, cackling blank, we don't have a term yet for a new term, but, you know, as a barometer for normative <laughs> intellectual behavior, but are saying, like, you know, he's just going on there and lying. You can't, under the First Amendment, you can't just go out there and tell lies. Yeah. Yes, you fucking can. Yes, you can, under the fucking First Amendment. And even if you said they couldn't, like, who's going to be in charge of that? You guys? Whoopi Goldberg? You're going to be in charge of, like, you know, who's lying or not? You guys got everything wrong about fucking COVID, about... January 6th, like, why are we fucking still listening to these people? And I put them all in the same category. They're the same thing as Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, you know, and everyone on CNN. It's, like, it's just nonsense that comes out of their mouth all the time. And you think about, like, well, why do you give a shit what they say? I'm like, because X percent of our population takes that in, uses no critical thought, no critical thinking, you know, uh, know, to, like, dissect it and make their own decision. They go, like... That's clearly what happened. Five five cops were uh, killed on January sixth. They were beaten to death by protesters. Like, what do you do with that? It seems to me that we are entering a realm. It's never been in my recollection, and maybe I'm misremembering how the world used to work. But it has never been the case that you could just say whatever you want. Um, and get away with it yeah. like you can today. Yeah. I mean, the president has, you know, you look at those supercuts of all the lies that he's told, him being busted for plagiarism over and over again. Gas prices have like, come down during my administration. You're like, like hey, that's, that's right. 20 seconds of research. You're like, no. Also, like, I remember what I paid for gas before your president. I remember what I paid for this morning. Two different things. I keep thinking, too, that. The whole AI and deep fake technology mm-hmm. that's kind of happening around us right now is part of this also. People are starting to expect fake, yeah, f- a fake reality in a way. I you know what I mean? Yeah, I I I think we're there. There's like a um, I think that's tied into the deconstruction of truth that you were talking about earlier. Yes, it's like I think we're already there. I think so too. It's sad. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. You're like, huh? Right. What? <laughs> Those five black cops that killed that black kid did so because of white, white supremacy. supremacy. Yeah. White people are to blame for that. Yeah. Anyways, um, more more of the more of the same. Here's a clip that I uh, edited down a little bit uh, from the Twitter file hearings. Get a load of this. This is Michael Schellenberger. This dude could have been our governor. I mean, he ran for, for governor when we had the recall. Oh, okay. That's where, that's where I recognize that name from. That would have been a major upgrade. 
um, visibility filters. Correct. And so this blacklist that was created that really was used to uh, deplatform, uh, reduce visibility, yes. um, create lists internally where people couldn't even see their profiles. That was used against doctors and scientists who produced information that was contrary to what the CDC was putting out, despite the fact that we now know that what they were publishing had scientific basis and, in fact, was valid. Absolutely. And not only that, but these are secret blacklists. So Professor Bhattacharya had no idea he was on it. I mean, this is East Germany Stasi kind of behavior. That's what this is. And I think to the bigger point that Americans are concerned about when it comes to the weaponization of government, this isn't Republican or Democrat issue. This is an American issue. Thank you had you. individuals, millions of Americans, who in many cases were being mandated to take an experimental vaccine. It is. Who, who is she? I meant to look it up. She's awesome. Yeah. And you can't really read the name tag there. Yeah. I meant to look it up. Um, uh, the It is very interesting. I wanted to pause it because what she said there about this isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. Right. Um, That's it, you do, If anyone should, takes one thing away from what we talked about, it's that. It's like it, there, there's no – we live under a uniparty. It's a two-party illusion. None yeah. of these people – I mean, look at the federal – deficit look at the budget they just proposed look at the money going to ukraine uh we just voted down a resolution to get out of syria like it's the, the yeah. there's one party and neither one of them or that one party does not give a shit about you i don't care what kind of letter is is right in their name right so this this should be a nonpartisan thing but it's basically the freedom caucus in the house mm -hmm. versus the uniparty yeah. Right. I mean, anyone that took an oath to defend our Constitution should be taking this very seriously. Yeah. But and I'll show you in the next clip. There's one side that's taking it seriously and another side that could be Democrat, could be Republican, doesn't matter, yeah. who simply wants to discredit the establishment. These guys, they don't care. They don't care to look and see if. Violations to our Constitution, to the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights were taking place. That doesn't concern them yeah. at all. All they want to do is take these guys out. Mm -hmm. So they're coming into this with a preconceived notion about the Twitter file. They're they're on the back foot. They're being defensive about them having uh, violated the First Amendment. Yeah, which it says a lot. Like it, it, you should just be curious. Right. It's not that hard to pull off, even if you're faking it. You should be curious about this. The fact that you're not and that you just want to demonize these guys, yeah. uh, it says a lot about what's actually going on, I think. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. And when those that wanted to consider taking it were trying to make an informed decision, you had opinions that were being silenced because it didn't fit a specific narrative pushed by the Biden administration, correct? Absolutely correct. And it doesn't fall neatly among left and right lines. If there's anything going on here, it tends to be a more of a disproportionate blacklisting of, of more populist voices. Just quickly, again, we yesterday discovered the, the, this email talking about the suppression of people telling their own stories of uh, stories of true vaccine side effects. So these are people who are telling about their own experiences, things that are hap that happen to them that are true, and they're being suppressed because what anti-disinformation does is the opposite of what the press does. They are aiming for what 
the narrative is, and they already know in advance what they're looking for. Whereas a journalist goes into a story, does not know what the truth is. We often find that the thing we expect to find turns out to be completely different. They know in advance what they're looking for, and that's why this is so dangerous. Bing bong. Yep, <laughs> there it is. That's it. There it is. Here's the other side uh, coming at, at Taibi. And uh, I think Shellberger is in this clip, too. Uh, did Mr. Musk contact you, Mr. Taibi? This chick Again, the really attribution dumb. for my story is sources at Twitter. Mr. Schellenberger, did Mr. Musk contact you? Uh, actually, no. I was brought in by my friend Barry Weiss, and so this story, there's been a lot of misinformation. So Mr. Weiss brought you in. So stop here for Mr. Taibi, so, Ms. Weiss, I just want to point you. out for uh, those Mr. of you Taibi, that Mr. Taibi, have are you had conversations with Elon Musk? Obsessed with I have. Okay. the tribalism, uh, tribalist binary. Is that we are looking at now? We're talking about Schellenberger, Taibi, and Barry Weiss. Mm -hmm. This is there has been a mass exodus from the left media. These people are all far lefties. Yeah, but Barry, particularly Barry Weiss and Taibi mm -hmm. came from Rolling Stone. Not exactly <laughs> a bizarre, you know, right wing fringe magazine. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I left is like, and I put like. Uh, uh, Glenn Greenwald and uh, Laura Logan. And it's like these people all moved to... Schellenberger in, used to be a climate activist right? Yep. and started Absolutely. looking into it more just to learn more about it and started realizing that what he was being told wasn't exactly... Right. Didn't, it didn't pass his logical brains, yeah. uh, you know, gate gateway it, yeah they put up red flags he started looking into it realized that he was being lied and, to and as we've talked about this on, on this you know on, on previous episodes is, is like the 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 machiavellian branch of the left which is very very has a very large presence is you think the right gets some hate try leaving the left look how jordan peterson is, is treated right now like oh, try yeah. or try to break rank or not even leave the left but like hey i got some questions here jordan peterson like I, we can't pass compulsory speech laws. That, that, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. You are persona non grata. Like, we are coming after you at this point. Like, you are public enemy number one. Yep. Like, I feel for these people. So, and people like Matt Taibbi and Schellenberger and Barry Weiss are all in this exact same category. Yep. I have. Mr. Taibbi, have you had conversations with Elon Musk? I have. Okay. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, did Mr. Musk place any conditions on the use the of the Let the gentlelady yield for a second. Uh, as long as my time is not used. Are you, are you trying to get journalists to No, I'm not trying to get sources? No, I'm not. Well, I am asking like no and to praise him for his work. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. So-called journalists. There are many legitimate questions about where <laughs> Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the First Amendment. Much of that time was spent at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, ranking member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the I.F. Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York Times, New York Times bestsellers. Uh, I'm now the editor of the online magazine Racket on the independent platform Substack. That is the disdain that that woman has right. for them. Like, why? Yeah. What is it really about? What do you think these guys are up to? Let's just say that they are uh, shilling for Elon Musk. Yeah. And so, it's, what is okay, the so problem? I'm, I'm missing something here. Yeah. What 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 is she driving at? 
Yeah, That's kind of my point. What yeah. is she driving at? You would think that it, it seems to me like it's just a general iron disdain for what. Like yeah, you, exactly. For what you represent, for what Taibi and Schellenberger represent. Like you're providing, oh, well, they're free speech advocates. Right. And it seems to be like being met with just cold fucking disdain and hatred. I mean, the it's only thing, it's so bizarre to me. Yeah. So basically, you could sum it up, I guess, that she is uh, def- being defensive on behalf of the federal government. And the FBI, because these guys are saying that the FBI uh, violated our that, and other and uh, some Congress people uh, our First Amendment rights by asking Twitter to censor people. Why be defensive about that? Yeah, you know that's kind of that's, a weird. That's odd. Yeah, but it's kind of it's the same defensiveness that you see with the January sixth video, right? That Tucker Carlson is is uh, releasing, you know Chuck Schumer is also violating when he said to Rupert Murdoch on TV, Rupert Murdoch, stop Tucker Carlson from yeah. releasing this footage, security camera footage. Yes, yeah, stop of, from the people's house. Yeah, which the people paid for. Right, it is the people's video footage. Yeah, stop showing. Stop that. showing that. Tell him to stop doing that. That is a violation right. of our First Amendment. We also saw the same thing uh, play out. It, I mean, it's barely got covered, but uh, Rachel Maddow hit it. I think Don Lemon hit it. Is the uh, Rage Against the War Machine rally, and they ridiculed anti-war protesters going in there saying like, "We're not stop the Ukraine thing. Stop all war." Like, we're against this. All these, like, left sycophants. Yeah. That's been the most bizarre turning point in my life, saying, like, oh, look it. There's, like, no one there. It's a bunch of, like, Russian assets. There's someone with a Russian flag shirt on. It's, you know, just a bunch of, like, just backwards hillbillies that don't want to go to fucking war in another country. Don't want their children to be drafted <laughs> and, 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 and killed the same in week, nuclear fire. On, like, it's the same, the same week we have Zelensky coming saying, like, your America, your sons and daughters are gonna have to come fight this war if you don't stop it right now. Right. It's like, are you, like, someone fucking put a bullet in that guy's fucking head. Don't you ever fucking say that to us. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, I'm not condoning violence. This is hypothetical in Minecraft. <laughs> someone hypothetically put a hypothetical bullet in that guy's head. Um, yeah, man, it's crazy, you know, when you think about it. <laughs> Um, let's see. So, did you, we've got a little bit of time left. Sure. Did you notice that, um, SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank? Yes. Uh, tanked. Yes. Did you happen to see, you don't really check Twitter anymore, but, uh, Clint Russell's tweet on the matter? From, uh, Liberty Lockdown? Yes. No. The one and only. Yes. Um, he, so the, the, here's a, let me present to you while you look for that, what I understand about this and then, uh, you jump in. So they do a little digging, you know what I mean? How dare you? Ah, close enough. (laughs) Now this is something the other Ah, two of you will (laughs) tell you. I guess I do need my reading glasses. No, it's our producer's fault. (laughs) Um, so Silicon Valley Bank 
um, was a bank that was essentially established for, for those of you that don't know, in the Silicon Valley, Valley area, which is primarily tech companies, tech startups, um, venture capitalists, and entrepreneurs. It's people that already have money that want to basically make more money. And I think in... I think they held uh, liquidity in 2019, I think around like 60 billion. And then once the, um, or 2019, sorry. And then once the pandemic happened, was boom times for those people. Like, you know, the amount that tech companies and venture capitalists made during the lockdown was astounding. So that, the liquidity of that bank went from- Wasn't it actually a lockdown? (laughs) Welcome to the party. <laughs> they held, they had holdings that went from sixty billion. I think they were up to two hundred and twenty billion at yeah. that point. And they decided to take it upon themselves to invest that money in. I don't know if you ever heard of the mortgage-backed security. <laughs> Are you familiar with this at all? I am. Uh, hashtag yeah. two thousand eight. Yeah. So they put they put at least that we know of eighty billion dollars of their clients money into the MBS market and when the Fed I don't know totally surprising actually not announced it like we're going to raise interest rates we're going to raise interest rates we're going to raise interest rates it went from I don't know what were you what was the low like two 2.9 something like that well that was the like consumer rate right it was like 0.1 or something oh yeah, yeah. no yeah that's yeah. right it's like a, like a half percent or something yeah. like that and now it's floating around like f- six something I believe Something like that. I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's way up. And so that means if you are, if you're totally new to the concept of real estate and finance, which I, I am, and I still understand this. It's a fairly straightforward model. Is uh, once they jack their interest rates, what do you know? People stop borrowing money to buy real estate, and this bank just saw that rate go up, 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 and didn't do anything. And it basically created what, you know, when we talk about the creature for Jekyll Island and fractional reserve banking, it made a bank run. It's like the modern day equivalent of a bank run. Mm-hmm. And everyone just went in there like, I want my money, want my money, want my money. They don't have any money. Sergio was telling me last night that Oprah Winfrey had a half a billion dollars in that bank. Really? Yes. <laughs> All right. So here's actually, uh, I'm going to go, I got to pee like a sawhorse, so. Yeah. I'm going to play this cool music. Be right back. If you are listening to this, podcast right now and you're in the fast lane on the freeway and you're going the same rate of speed as a car sitting next to you may god have mercy on your soul the fast lane on the freeway is for the fastest fucking traffic so please oh boy move over (laughs) <laughs> All right, you are not the only person on the freeway. I think I suffer, Matt, from a condition of uh, yes, hyper, <laughs> <laughs> hyper uh, self awareness. Mm-hmm. 
I am always very aware of my actions affecting the people around me. I yes. am critical to a point of fault of my own behavior. I would agree with that. And how uh, you know my my actions impact people around me, and that's kind of why I'm a good free driver mm -hmm. because I'm not gonna you know break the law if it's gonna impact someone else right. in a negative way. Yeah. Um, unless they're doing something stupid like riding their bike down the sidewalk, then I will run your ass over because <laughs> you get out of my way. God, people on the freeway today coming back were just pissing me off. Yeah. And I'm sure it has nothing to do with the triple dose of prednisone that I'm now on. <laughs> so a uh, couple things. I left the room for, I don't know, a scant two minutes. So Lord knows what you said <laughs> while I was gone. But for the point that I can pretty safely assume that you're driving at is the inverse of that is I see people. I was stuck behind someone. It's always a fucking Prius, by the way. Who was driving? I totally thought you were going to say Asian lady. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm, I always say this I'm like, I almost am begrudgingly envious of these people. They have no concept of what's around them. Just, just pure bliss. They got that look on their face, like everything's right in the world. Just going yep. seven miles an hour down the street, right? Line of cars behind me and kind of like, yep. I might park, not going to park here. And actually. that's the same person that's going to tell you that. You know, you just have to, you know, trust in the universe that it's all going to yeah. just work out and just, just you know, be at peace. Magic brother, happens. And, yeah. And coexist. Right. And stand with Ukraine. Ugh. It's all the same people. Fucking horrible people. And you know what? I People in masks cannot be trusted. Yeah, always. Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. All right. Here's that tweet that I found from uh, okay. Clint Russell. This is pretty apropos as most of his comments tend to be. Your government has sent over $100 billion to Ukraine. It's almost $200 billion, I think. Don't interrupt me. Okay. For, <laughs> for less than that, they can shore up SVB and prevent Hashtag a massive... pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> for less than that, they can shore up SVB and prevent a massive contagion event. If they choose not to, the Great Reset is likely upon us intentionally. So, we'll know by Monday. Yep. Monday Monday is the big day because, okay, so a couple different schools of thought here is that typically when a bank fails, and this is the second biggest bank to fail in our lifetime. In history. In history. Uh, the first being Washington Mutual in the mm -hmm. 2008 crash is they... Like, this has devastating ripples, consequences for the entire fucking country, actually, when you really think about oh, it. Oh, the world. Or the world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you. In that the they almost always, categorically, 100% of the time, when they announce these bank failures, they say it after the markets have closed. This is the first time they, ha they have announced it while the markets were still open. They announced this early on Friday. They almost mm -hmm. always wait till the markets close after Friday on the East Coast or weekend even better. And so a couple theories going on is that they does intentionally to signal to the market, like get your fucking ducks in a row. Like we got a fucking crash coming or you have eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Or they are also did, are doing it to signal to uh Jerome Powell 
the Fed chairman mm-hmm. saying like, listen, if you keep hiking interest rates, I mean, they're not the only bank that has all their money tied up in the MBS market, is that we are looking at a complete, fucking, another complete financial collapse. Okay. So try this on for a second. Okay. Um, I think that, so we, we could agree that a financial collapse is inevitable, right? Yes. Um, and I think that that's intentional. I think that they want... It's the planned demolition of, any, of the economy. Right. And why do they want to do that? To get us all on to... Well, to, number one, it's the same... It's the same. It's the exact same... When I tell people all these things are related, it's the, it's the exact same business model as COVID. They get you fucking scared, ingest the fear porn, get you panicked, and then for the same people that created the problem, this is the, the Hegelian dialect, it's the same people that created the problem, like, we happen to have the solution ready for you. That's Which is CBDC. Exactly. So here's my thinking on this. Okay. I think, I don't think they're ready for Man, I needed you at this kid's birthday party yesterday. <laughs> I'm so sorry, dude. I would have been there. <laughs> I would have been there if not for I'm this. going off about the World Bank and stuff. Like, uh, uh, Sorry, brother. That's all right. I think. I might have another one like in a couple weeks. Just to get the yeah, rest yeah, of it yeah, off your chest. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that they are ready for CBDC. No. Okay, they are rolling it out kind of slowly right. in some areas and trying it out. And even China, I don't think, has really like fully got a CBDC together. Yeah. And this is how I just started. That came to me this morning. I was thinking about what is CBDC. What it really is, what it amounts to, from a user like interface perspective, is it's your ATM card. And it's you just can't take cash out of the bank anymore. Yeah. Okay. So you have your money in the bank, but you can't pull it out in the form of cash. Right. That's CBDC right there. The scary thing that worries all of us about it. Well, for one, it's nice to pay for things in Minecraft with cash, so that you don't have to pay tax. Right. On it. Right. Um, but the scary thing what about, about what about the roads in the schools? <laughs> I'll give you your roads and schools. Um. How dare you? <laughs> the scary thing is that they are talking about tracking us and not letting you use that money in certain situations. Like we've right. said before, you drove too much this week, you ate too much meat right. this month, and blah, 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 Which blah, Which is blah. what they are trying to do. Right. But. And so it's tax time right now, and I'm going through my credit card statements and looking, trying to kind of itemize. I know exactly how much money I spent on my business because it all went on to two credit cards. Those are exclusively used for business purposes. But I still need to tell my accountant like how much of it was for uniforms and how much of it was for lumber and how much of it was for whatever, advertising. Safety meetings. Correct. And so safety you, meetings. Exactly. And safety meetings. Okay. <laughs> there weren't that many safety meetings. There were that many safety meetings. <laughs> Well, safety is I, my... I, I attended several. <laughs> and look, look how <laughs> healthy you are. <laughs> Aside from your wrist and probably your back. Because I looked into this, uh, your foreman, and apparently you attended as many safety meetings for his company. <laughs> <laughs> Cross-pollination of ideas. It's very important in our industry. We're very serious about safety. Um, so you try to go through your credit card statement and suss out what was spent on what it's nearly impossible. Even yeah. though your credit card categorizes things for you, it has no idea what it's doing. No. It's it thinks that you're spending money on advertising, you're actually, you know, buying lumber because the name of the the lumber yard has something to do with sounds like some sort of advertising thing. Yeah. It's, it's that dumb, right? So they can't really control us yet. 
with the CBDC in the scary way that we're worried about. Right. They could end cash, which would suck, but it's not going to be the nightmare. It's not the movie Brazil yet. Yeah. It's not 1984 yet. They just don't have the technology. Mm-hmm. All right. And, you know, don't confuse CBDC with Bitcoin. They couldn't be further apart. No. Even yeah. though they both are cashless. Yeah. Bitcoin is freedom. One, one is a decentralized currency. The other is a centralized currency. That is the primary difference. Exactly. It's the entire crux of the fucking issue that we're talking about. Exactly. When I hear people say that, like, well, it's the same thing as Bitcoin. I'm like, no, no, it's not. Like, you do some research before you put words together. Let them come out of your mouth, please. <laughs> oh, you have Tourette's? My bad. Sorry. <laughs> so this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> It's uh, it's scary to think about this. Yeah. I am not ready for the uh, 2008 all over again. Yeah, okay? it scares me. I, I, but I think it's inevitable. I've done what I can to be prepared for it, but it's not like these are boom times. You know, there's not that much squirreled away to to weather the storm. I don't know what we're gonna do. I'm I'm totally scared. But yeah, me too. Here's here's the positive to take away from this. The silver lining I thought of. Develop a taste for human flesh? Uh, yes, sure. Okay. Fine. Yes. <laughs> um, I think there's a website you can go to. It's uh, <laughs> They grow it in a lab, so it's not really cannibalism. Oh, yeah. nice, mm. nice, nice. Um, you will eat the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in 2008, mm-hmm. when we had the financial collapse, it turned out to be almost the best thing that could happen in terms of people uniting against the problem. This 99% happens. Interesting. Right? Because I just had a conversation with someone yesterday at the academy who said the exact same thing. Okay. Yeah. I think this is probably the best time before there is a CBDC that they're able to subjugate us with. I think that a collapse now might unify people and the same way that the the sociopaths that are our democratic elites never let a crisis go to waste, right? We should be thinking in the same way. We should not let this crisis go to waste. If this happens, we can seize this moment to end the Federal Reserve. People need to wake up to what the real problem is here. We almost did back in 2008. People knew the banks were the problem, and people were pissed off. About them getting... The Occupy Wall Street movement. Yep. Yeah. About them getting bailed out. We are and the whatnot. 99%. And, and people now, have not forgotten about that. Yeah. So we bring this back again, and now it, they screw everything up. They We bail them out. The same problems arise again. I really think that this is a crisis that we could use to end this monetary policy that we have now and replace yeah. it with actual metal currency. We we scratched the surface. We scratched the surface during the Occupy movement, and we talked about it before in other episodes. That's when the global elites, the people in power, the central banking system. That's the first time like they got a little worried because you had the Tea Party and Antifa on the same side of the street, fucking chanting, "We are the ninety nine percent." Yeah, like everyone, the, you know, they forgot about the division finally, which they bank on that division. They bank right. on that on that wedge being driven. And for those of you that get immersed in the left left versus right thing, Democrat versus Republican, it's it's all bread and circuses in the end. Like you're all getting fucked by the same people. And so this is that that central banking model. Once people like started, you know, went onto the sidewalk and linked arms together and go like, 
we're all getting fucked here, right? You understand that? Like, that's when the elites were fucking terrified. We need to end the Federal Reserve and go back to a gold standard. Don't be afraid to tell your neighbors that out loud. Say it out loud. Be the likable right-wing wingnut down the street. Right before you eat them. Yes. (laughs) 